This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully here in studio. Well, it's best of season for us on Golf Talk Canada, so Mark Bob and I will be taking some time off from our live shows and playing some best of specials for the next little while where we're going to take a look back at some of our favorite interviews, favorite moments from the year on Golf Talk Canada and recap some of the major storylines that happened during 2020 in the world of golf and what a crazy year it was both on and off the golf course. And that's where we're starting this week at the Masters. Dustin Johnson dominating five-shot victory picking up his second career major championship and that first green jacket. Looking forward to seeing what Dustin Johnson has in 2021. Well, right here, we're going to play our Masters Winners Weird and What edition where Mark Sacchino and I recap the good, the bad, and the ugly from Masters Week. And this time around, Mark had the tea. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Skulls, we teased this in uh, at the end of the last segment with Mike Weir, but my winners are the over-50s, and let's start with the over-60s. Bernard Longer. Uh, every year we wait. Is this the year Longer acts his age? And the answer is no, it's not. Mm-hmm. 63 years old, playing yep. a ballpark of this size. He shoots three under par. He beats Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> Bryson Beats Bryson by one shot in the tournament and two shots head-to-head on Sunday in the same group. Beats Uh him by two shots with a closing round of 71. I mean, it is just unbelievable when you consider Bernard Longer that he's 63 years old. He's fought the putting yips three or four times in his career. He's never been the longest driver of the golf ball. The fact that he's still doing what he's doing is absolutely incredible. And then to, you know, piggyback that one... Uh What about our own Mike Weir? He makes the cut for the first time since 2014. Uh, Looks like a guy that belongs again. He told us he's healthy. He told us this was coming. Not a lot of people were like, eh, we're kind of doubtful. Can he bring it from the Champions Tour to a major on the big tour? He can. Yep. Like, well done, over 50s, over 60s, even lefty. Mickelson, he had a rough Saturday. But, I mean, for a long time there, Phil looked like he was going to contend in this Masters at 500 par. Adam, the old guys, one for the old guys. One for the old guys. You mentioned Mickelson there after two rounds. He's five under par, just four shots off the pace. And I'll get into Phil in my three, though, because his Saturday performances, (laughs) it was strange. But how about Bernhard Langer beating Bryson DeChambeau, as you mentioned? The odds for that would have been ludicrous going into the tournament. But Mike Weir... Awesome to see that, A, he's healthy, B, he's fit, and now he's, he's performing well. He's had some good finishes on, on PGA Tour champions, too, and it's great to see that hard work paying off for Mike Weir. That's yeah, awesome. and I think the silver lining in this for Canadian golf fans is uh, if you were hesitant about Mike Weir and what he was going to be able to achieve on the Champions Tour because in his late 40s, you know, he hasn't been uh, relevant at the PGA mm-hmm. Tour level, a lot of that mainly because of injury, now with a healthy Mike Weir, I think cup half full now. I think we could see a couple of good two, three, four seasons out of Mike Weir on the Champions Tour. Yeah. Some victories, contending in majors on the Champions Tour. Well done, Mike Weir. Okay, my weird Adam, Bryson DeChambeau. Here we go. I mean, where do we start? 
I mean, uh, the lost ball on three. That was awful luck. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the worst luck possible. Uh, you know, three weeks of, of experimenting with a 48-inch driver to only the night before go back to a 45-inch driver. I mean, the over-rotation, the hand speed, the things you need to do to square up a 48-inch driver to then all of a sudden drop to 45 and then wonder why you're smothering it left <laughs> off the tee on a Thursday morning. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. You know, I said it this morning on a, on a TSN radio hit. I said, you know, it's like Russell Crowe standing in front of a chalkboard with a beautiful mind. You're going to come up with a cure for a disease once in a while, and a few times you're going to strike out. <laughs> this was a big strikeout, okay? His beautiful mind went sideways yep. and backed him out of this golf tournament. Now, I will say this. I'm not suggesting that if he never experimented with a 48-inch driver and he went with the 45, that he was going to beat Dustin Johnson this week. Highly unlikely that anyone was going to beat Dustin Johnson, this, Dustin Johnson mm-hmm. at any point this mm-hmm. week. But if he just stick to the game plan, if he had a stuck and danced with who brought him to the ball like he did at the U.S. Open. I think he gets off probably to a front nine on Thursday morning with a couple under par, eases his way into the Masters, and is probably somewhere in the top five or top ten in this golf tournament if he had just had a stuck to the game plan. Again, he needs the distractions. He needs the math equation. Ten over this divided by that equals, and it blew up in his face this time. Well, it sure did, and you know, even course management-wise, you think the Thursday morning, 13 going for it from the pine straw, the lie wasn't great, hitting it 15 yards long into the bushes, making a double bogey from there. And then there was what happened on Saturday morning when he said he wasn't feeling well, and, and hopefully he is feeling well, but he was saying his stomach wasn't right, he just wasn't feeling great. Well, Bryson, if you have seven protein shakes every day, <laughs> your, your stomach's not going to be right. That's just... Right. Yeah, And let's throw some anxiety and stress on yeah. top of it. And it manifests itself physically. And this is where we're at. And uh, he'll go back to the drawing board. Yep. And I guarantee you one thing, that when April rolls around, he'll be ready this time. And hopefully he won't be making uh, Wednesday night equipment changes. Because that is absolutely bizarre. bizarre. Thus my weird. And my what this week. What, what a back nine for Tiger Woods. And, uh, you know, we'll keep it narrow and then I'll go to you for bigger picture. But I mean, a 10, the 10 on 12, to me, if, if Tiger's in contention, the 10 on 12 is a disaster and a train wreck and a much bigger story this morning. Because he's not in contention, because he has no chance of winning this golf tournament, the 10 on 12, it's, it's almost a, a bonus because it kind of connects him to the Masters. Mm-hmm. Nicholas had a disaster on 12. Weisskopf had a disaster on 12. Spieth had a disaster on 12. Now Tiger's got his disaster on 12. And, you know, he followed it up with five birdies <laughs> and six holes to show, it gives you a window into the competitive spirit, spirit uh, that is Tiger Woods. But I will say this, and, and this is what I want your, your opinion on, Adam, before I throw you the tee. The one thing that does concern me in all this, getting up at 3.15 in the morning on Friday to get ready to play golf, he was walking gingerly mm-hmm. again. And when we came out of 2019, let's go back a year, November yeah. 2019, I had a lot less questions about Tiger Woods than I have in November of 2020. November of 2020 feels a lot more like November of 2017 or November of 2016. I'm riddled with questions. I have no idea where we go from here, and I have no idea if he'll be ready for April where, yeah. where are you on this? You know, it's sort of like 
you watch him play and and you you wonder how much longer can he do this and clearly clearly on saturday he was he was stiff like it was clear he wasn't shaping it both ways he was very ginger to pick the ball out of the hole i i'm really curious to see you know throughout last summer after winning the masters before zozo this was the Tiger that we saw, very mediocre, sort of shuffling around. I saw him firsthand at, at Royal Portrush mm-hmm. last year, and he looked like a man in pain. And then he has the minor knee surgery, plays Zozo incredibly well, is the best player at the President's Cup, in my opinion, anyway, yep. by, by, by far. Yes. By far. He was the best iron player in the world at yep. the President's Cup. And then, and then we have this, so... There are a lot of question marks surrounding Tiger Woods. What are we going to see at Torrey Pines when he comes back? He's going to have a couple if, months off. If, if, yeah, I assume. I'm with you. you I assume you would I'll presume. see him there. But then he, he, for all the years, his putter was probably his best club in the bag. And now because he's back, he can't practice as much. He tinkered with a longer putter. And he was putting great for the most part at the Masters until you know the start of the second round when he jammed a two-and-a-half-foot putt on three, four feet past the hole the other way. And so there's so many question marks. He continues to be the most intriguing figure in the game always of golf and always will be. And we hope he can have success for ratings, for everything, yeah. for the game of golf, for sport, but who knows? I'd also love to see him go out on a high note yeah. instead of limping out of the game, mm-hmm. so to mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Okay, Adam, winner's weird and what, sir? The tea is now yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. So my winner this week is Cam Smith for four rounds in the 60s. And we discussed earlier in the show about this. But sort of the strange thing about this is you would think someone shooting four rounds in the 60s at Augusta, you would have presumed Dustin Johnson. Sure. But Bryson DeChambeau. That's, that's the beauty of Augusta National, though, is that it can bring so many different players. We mentioned Bernhard Langer. He was averaging, what, 70 yards less off the tee than Bryson DeChambeau. He beats him by one. That's just the beauty of Augusta National. We saw it in a very different light this time around, in a light we'll probably never see it again on a, on a public scale with no patrons. But uh, my winner, I guess, both Cam Smith and Augusta National for for pretty darn good week. It's awesome. It's the Masters. It's why it's everybody's favorite day of the year. You know, we didn't get the drama this year that we normally get. Mm -hmm. But year in and year out, it is Super Bowl. Masters Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday for anyone at all that remotely likes golf. Period. End of story. Okay, my weird this week. John Rahm. He's in contention. We spoke at length about John Rahm on Saturday morning. He was my pick. He was my he pick was your all pick. week. He was a great pick. Starts two over through three on Thursday. Fights back. He's tied for the lead. At one point, first, second, third in the world. All tied for the lead going into the third round. Gets to the eighth hole on Saturday in his third round. Cold top. You don't see a professional golfer cold top a fairway wood very often. Mm-hmm. We saw him hit a cold shank last year on the eighth hole as well, so maybe him and the eighth hole just don't mesh. But then it was what happened after the fact as well. It, 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 co- it compounded from it got there. Worse. It got worse. He tried to hit yeah. a punch shot, hits a tree that was probably about this wide, goes back into a bush. Apparently he had a meltdown after that wasn't shown on the telecast. But for John <laughs> Rahm, I mean, what a what a weird way to play the eighth hole again. It's He's had some weird Well, he was tied bounces. for the lead through two rounds, like you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. And, you know, no transition in that three-wood. He was working on shortening his swing. Um, and he felt that he was getting long. And if that's always, possible. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's his wheelhouse. But the one thing you got to be careful about when you shorten your swing, if you're out there listening or watching today and you're working on shortening your golf swing, is uh, you can be short, but you can't be quick. 
And if you're short and you don't give time for transition to complete your backswing, to start your downswing, you no chance. You got John Rahm uh, Coltop in a three wood. That's what it is. And uh, hard to watch. It, it's it's <laughs> mesmerizing. It's always crazy to see a professional golfer do something that the average Joe does all the time, especially you. a guy like John I fought Rahm. with a three wood for three years. Uh, really? And I, I almost, and now I'm back in love with my, you know, I went for M5 to Sim. When they came out with the M5 three wood, and I, I went to a very, very stiff, heavy three wood shot. Yeah, yeah. And I fell back in love with my three wood. And it's, you know, I have never looked back since, but I, I know what this, I know how this feels. Adam. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we all do. <laughs> uh, and before we go to break, my what? Phil Mickelson. Okay. So after two rounds, like he's in the mix. He's there. Yeah, he certainly and, is. And 500 he, par. And he was confident. After that round, we played audio on our show on Saturday morning where he was saying, you know, I'm hitting the ball great. I'm driving it like a stallion. Those are his words. He was pounding the, that 47-inch drive. He was. He was hitting it well. But he said, I'm close to last in the field and putting. I'm yes. just not making anything. He was horrible. And you get to Saturday, fourth hole. He's got 15, 20 feet. Mm-hmm. His next butt, 77 feet left it. He hit it 77 feet past the hole. It, it, I, it might be. <laughs> like, what? Is it the worst putt he's ever hit? That's got to be the, one of the worst putts I've ever seen well, him hit. I will say this. Mickelson never is boring, isn't he? He's never boring. But he also, on the third hole on Saturday, he had a three-footer at the most on the third hole and lipped it out aggressively. So, Phil and the flat stick, not so hot right now. This segment of GTC was brought to you by... SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them and you'll see why. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, how about the U.S. Open? What a dominating performance that was by Bryson DeChambeau to win by six shots. Absolutely obliterating the field. Really taking on Wingfoot in a way that we've really never seen before. Bombing gouge, hitting absolute bombs out there, 360, 70 yards right down the middle. But if he was missing the fairways, was missing the greens, his chipping and putting, just a surreal performance by Bryson DeChambeau. And he's not stopping there. He's trying to put on even more weight. He's trying to gain even more speed. He's posting Instagram photos, carrying the golf ball 403 yards. That is is ludicrous. But good for Bryson DeChambeau trying something different on a recent episode of Golf Talk Canada. Mark and Bob recap the recent U.S. Open where they discuss Bryson DeChambeau and the other contenders in the mix. All right, one week removed from the U.S. Open. Obviously, we had the Bryson conversation. We've talked Bryson to death, and and rightfully so. It might be in a historic win when we look back in a generation from now, and we might go, hey, that's the day uh, high school golfers decided they were hitting the gym instead of the range. We don't know what this is going to be. We could be overreacting, but it might be more significant than what we think. 
Okay, let's remove Bryson from the conversation, Bob. Uh, let's start with the cup half full. Who are the winners this week? Who are the guys that leave with momentum, that have building blocks, that said, you know, I didn't get the W, but, man, I took on a beast of a golf course. I leave with momentum. And I know that you would add the USGA as an organization to your winner as well. And I, it would be hard to argue with that. Yeah, I mean, they did the best they could, and nobody's really talking about the course setup other than how do you defend. It's not like nothing that they did to monkey up the golf course. And that's, we had one person under par. That's right. That's right. Exactly oh. right. But I think there's some obvious winners. I think Matthew Wolf is an obvious winner because we didn't really know a ton about him beforehand, and he comes in second. He's now finished in the top four in every major he's ever played. Yeah, exactly. Both of them. Right, right, both of them. Uh, I, think, I think Will Zalatoris is a winner, and for those of you who don't know, he's a Corn Ferry Tour player who ended up uh, tied for sixth. He has had a just a whack of a year out uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour, and of course it comes like Taylor Pendrith. Uh, on a year when there's no promotion, right. um, you know, amongst the, I think Harris English kind of resurrected his game as well. Showed that he's got some some stuff in there after a year of kind of uh, misery, and uh, he's back. But you know, those are the those are the ones that are maybe a little less obvious, or well, I guess Wolf is obvious, but some of but but English and Zelatoris might be a little less obvious. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, before we get to uh who are the losers and, and before maybe because I agree with your pick so I just add a couple I would just maybe add one or two names in there but before I get to that I've got to ask you a question about Louis Oosthuizen because Louis Oosthuizen he has a major he's a 2010 Open champion but he has a large bucket of top 10s and top 5s in major championship is this a, is this because this is another third is this a positive for Louis Oosthuizen or is it another Hey, I had a chance to win, and I did, I did it. I am having a very hard time on where I put Louis Oosthuizen in this conversation. His rounds are interesting, right? He was 67-74, 68-73. So it was sort of up-down, up-down. And the knock against Louis has always been that he doesn't have that kind of killer instinct or that deep drive to kind of go out and get it. Mm-hmm. He's got second-place finishes in all four majors. He and DJ have the silver slam. Mm-hmm. And that's always... If I'm a golfer, that's something that's probably going to bother me to a certain extent. And yet, probably when you retire and you look back and you say, wow, those were great finishes. You came second in every major, as long as he has a major. Um, But I don't know. It's interesting where to put him. I think think at his age, you know, he's not a young guy anymore. He's not a rookie. That's true. Third is not probably a bad finish for him at this point, although... It is, as you said, to your point, it's a missed opportunity. All right, I'm going to agree with you on, on, on all your wins. I think, you know, Matt Wolf is obviously the no-brainer. We probably didn't give Matt enough credit in the rest of his game, kind of almost the way we look as a, as a country at Taylor Penrith, and, and Derek Ingram was, you know, trying to correct us into your story that you told last week uh, about going down there and doing, uh, doing a piece uh, on the guys. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. I think Harris English, to your point, a bit of a resurrection. Uh, Will Zalatoris, a no-brainer, considering the season he's having on, on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, etc. I think uh, the only other name I might throw in there is Xander Shoffley. You know, I, I know it's not a win. I know he wants a win. But this is still a very young golfer who keeps proving to us that if it's a big event... If it's a deep field and it's a hard golf course, you should never overlook this guy. You know, he wins at East Lake, always performs at East Lake, tough golf course, always does well in well does well in majors. Look at his record in the U.S. Open. I think Xander, although it's not a victory, I'd say just proving again as to why he's always on our radar when this when this event rolls around. Um, all right, other side of that coin, uh, there's obviously a few that miss the cut. Um, 
But for me, I'm going to stay away from the obvious. Phil Mickelson's 50 years old, okay? Phil's had a great career. If he pops up once in a while and does something, great on Phil. Tiger, well, we'll do, we could do a show on Tiger. So I'm going to leave Woods out of this conversation. A couple of guys that were really disappointing for me were Tommy Fleetwood, who's one of the favorites, or one of the dark horse favorites, if that makes any sense. Yep. Like After you got out of the DJ Rom conversation, Fleetwood was right in that next group. He misses the cut, right? Uh, horrible outing for Tommy Fleetwood. How much longer are we going to consider Ricky Fowler an elite player? Ricky Fowler has been lost in the wilderness on big events. Uh, here he is again. And I'm going to throw one at you, Bob, that's a bit of a surprise. And I'm going to, I think I have it as a... Bryson DeChambeau? Not Bryson okay. DeChambeau. Not that big of a shock. Okay. I'm going to say Justin Thomas. Oh, yeah. I agree with you 100%. Bob, he opened with 65. Yeah. He was right there in this golf tournament. And to your point with Louis rounds of 66, up, down, up, down, up, down. Look at Justin Thomas. 65. And then he goes 73, 76, 72. And basically flushes his 65 down the winged foot toilet. Is there anybody in golf who um, who just beats himself up more on the golf course when he's playing badly. It's almost, it's not like, you know, when you see Jordan Spieth, you sort of think, oh, he's kind of whining when he's missing shots and doing things. But Justin Thomas, I just laugh because I see myself, the guy's going, oh my God, how can I miss a That's the like worst that? shot ever hit on right, TV. Right. I just, love and I, I kind of laugh at it, and I don't know why that is, why, what the difference is, but I, I like Justin Thomas a lot because he sort of, to me, reflects how a lot of average players can kind of relate where, you you know, one day you can come out and have a great round and the very next day you think, okay, I'm going to keep it going and you come out like he's done here and shot 76 or something. I think part of the difference for me is Jordan seems on occasion, not always, but but often to be reflecting it out. Oh, stupid lie, dumb hole location, there's right, something else. Yeah. With, the, just, with Thomas, it's, I'm garbage. Right. I stink. And right. I think people appreciate that, right? right? Who, who do you put in the uh, cup half empty here, Bob? Who would you add um, to that list you if know, you I, would? I, I kind of had to add Rory in there a little bit. I think I think he was starting to play get better, and he gave me some some hope a little bit. And then I thought, again, the putter just kind of let him down. Now I know it's easy to say that when you're playing a U.S. Open golf course. Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Reed to me was... was you saw the, that uh, coming, though. That yeah. train wreck. <laughs> you knew when he shot 70 that he got every break he that's, could, get, could have got when he, before he shot the 77 on Friday. Um, you know, I thought, I thought John Rahm was a little disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking at... You know, Rory gave you the Oosthuizen uh, rounds. Look at Rory's rounds. 67, I'm in it. 76, no, I'm not. 68, I'm back. 75, I'm gone. Yeah. The Ricky Fowler comment, you know, was an interesting one because I sit there... I know he's working on swing changes. I know he's got a few things going on, but still... He's had a nothing year. Like, I was putting together a golf pool that I go in with my dad, and we're, we've got to get our stuff going here. But I think, I think I'm looking at Ricky thinking, okay, do I, should I pick him? Is he worth the value that he's won? It's based on what they won last year. Mm -hmm. It's a really tough question right now. I don't, I, I would, my guess, my gut would be no. You know, there's probably somebody younger, hungrier on the upswing. And like you said, he is working on changes, but wow, how, how long do you go with that, right? right. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them and you'll see why.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back inside our special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, as we discuss on every show, winners, weird, and what? It's our favorite segment of the show. And here's a recent edition of 3Dub, the week after the U.S. Open, where in this time, I had the tea. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Okay, gents, my winner this week could also be a weird and a what all mixed into one. <laughs> Harris English tees off Sunday, the U.S. Open. He's excited. He's, he's in great uh, in, a, in a great place to maybe have his best finish at a major championship. Hits his tee shot into the left rough. What happens? They can't find the golf ball. One of the craziest things I think I've ever seen watching a major championship, obviously not having any fans around uh, was a big reason for this, but the marshals, the volunteers, they couldn't find the golf ball. What did he do after that? Instead of sulking, instead of you know being rattled, if you will, he goes back for the next 17 and a half holes. He plays some great golf. Three birdies, shoots a closing 73, finishing in fourth place. Does get his best career finish at a major championship. It was quite a bounce back for Harris English, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, well, it was great. I, I'm still shocked that he lost the golf ball. I, I don't know how... You know, with I, I know there was no spectators out there, but there was tons of marshals, cameras everywhere... Uh, losing a golf ball like that it's, to start a final round is crazy. It's almost like if there had been fans there, not only would he have found the golf ball, but in all likelihood it might have bounced off a fan back into the fairway. Right. Or in a trampled <laughs> down lie. Exactly. Yeah, it was pretty wild to see, but good for Harris English to bounce back the way he did. Okay, my weird this week. We mentioned this a little earlier in the show, the Payne's Valley Cup, Tiger Woods' first public course. And the players were mic'd up for this event, which was great. You got to hear some in-depth conversations. Tiger Woods and Justin Rose talking about driver shaft lengths, how they're going to adjust that. And Rory McElroy, who has a new favorite kind of pizza. Tell you what, we're on this big Domino's kick at the minute. It's so good. I swear to God. It's so it is good. good. Like if you're like if you don't know what the really good local pizza place is, yeah. Domino's is like solid. Yeah. You know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Okay, guys, simple <laughs> enough. Is is it Domino's? Is a pizza pizza for you guys? On the road game, Bob? What's a road game? On the road game? Oh, uh, I always try to find the local one. Yeah, me too. I just I always ask around. But, uh, yeah, if you want to be safe, I think Domino's. Yeah. Although I'm not the quite best, sure I'd rank it quite as high as yeah. The is. best pizza in Toronto, boys, hands down, Queen Margarita. That's oh. good. I like Ro- so Romy's good. on Royal York and Bluer if you're around there. Oof. They're okay. awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I like the I like the just the, the go-to staple margarita pizza at Queen Margarita. Like, I'll eat the whole thing. I, I, in fact, if you uh, put your hands in front of my mouth, you might lose a digit. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Skulls? Oh, uh, that, that's funny. I mean, for me, I, I, I like Domino's as well. I'm with Rory. Maybe not to the extent that Rory is, but, uh, hey, I mean, whatever. Good for you, Rory. <laughs> my what this week, uh, we mentioned this a little earlier as well. What a bounce back for Graham Dillette. Uh, shoot 78 in the first round in Putacana, then the 64 in round two. Some special stuff from Graham Dillette. We saw him chipping with one hand at the Safeway Open. He's had a host of, of short game issues in the past, but what a bounce back here for Graham Dillette and some uh, optimism here going forward, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we had Graham on as our analyst during the uh, U.S. Open. 
And uh, before we did a little preview, and I had to ask him about the uh, the chipping with one hand, and he says, he says, I don't mind it on the PGA Tour. In fact, it's funny how the guys come around. They say, hey, whatever works. And he almost chipped in twice, he said. But the funniest thing he said is when I'm at my club at home, he says, that's when it's really embarrassing. Guys look at me like I got three heads. But uh, that is awesome. Nine birdies on the card. Birdied half the holes. Hopefully that's a good sign going forward. Do you think we'll see Adam Scully putting one-handed as a segue to that? I'd like to see him putt no-handed. Just no stick handed. the end I'm of the club that. in yeah. the, the, uh, the six-pack. Yeah. You know, the, I can do the no. I can yeah. do the, with my COVID-12. But I can do the no-handed. Would, would that be illegal Ooh. if he had no hands? But Hold just on, one point stomach? of contact. That's I don't right. see that being illegal if I happen to use my gut. Yeah. Adam, Adam don't can't. get rid of that weight, Mark. Yes, maybe I should keep that weight on. Jam it in there, Scully. I think, Mark, you got to put more weight on, and then you can just go from there. I, I think that's the strategy. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into putting a little more. Right in, in our the next, belly button. Yeah, right in the gut, the belly button. Okay, Bob, the tea is now yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I get yours today, so that's it. Hey, hold on, that was story. yours. Switch around. Yeah, we'll switch it. Okay. No, that's right. You can have the you can have the Family Guy. I'm taking that one. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you take Jack. All right. All right. Like but you got to be angrier now. I am. All okay. right. I can do the pirate again. National talk like a pirate day. Anyway, uh, my winner this week is Norm Barker from Collingwood, Ontario. This is a you're the story. next contestant. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Norm. Uh, Norm shot his best round this year was a 95. And uh, he, he breaks 100 quite regularly at a golf course. He plays up at Cranberry. It used to be Cranberry Village. I think it's just called the Cranberry Golf Course now. And he plays in the Old Timers Fun League up there. And um, I think it's great for, for Norm to shoot those great scores because on November 2nd, Norm's going to turn 99. He's going to turn 99 years old, and he's still out there playing four and or five breaking times breaking his week. age. And breaking his age on a regular... Uh, this is the quote in the newspaper article. I break 100 quite regularly, he said. Congratulations to Norm Barker. I love stories like this. It talks about, gives me a little hope that maybe yes. by the time I'm 99, I might figure out how to shoot 95. Norm, you're awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Great story. Okay. Uh, my weird this week is uh, a letter that the uh, lawyer for the Doobie Brothers sent. The Doobie Brothers? Yes. You remember the Doobie Brothers? <laughs> yes, of course. Sent Adam Bill. has no idea who you're talking no, about. But the Doobie Brothers continue. are a rock 70s, 80s <laughs> rock band. And um. the lawyer for uh, the Doobie Brothers sent a letter to Bill Murray because Bill Murray has a t-shirt, golf shirt company, right, called mm-hmm. Zero Bucks Given. And he's, oh, sorry, it's not actually not called that. It's called Zero Hucks Given. <laughs> okay. And they are using the song Listen to the Music in their ads. And they lawyers contend that he hasn't paid for it. But rather than send sort of a legalese letter, right. he sent this letter that says, We're writing on behalf of our clients, the Doobie Brothers. The Doobie Brothers perform and recorded the song Listen to the Music, which Tom Johnson of the Doobie Brothers wrote. It's a fine song. I know you agree because you keep using it in your ads <laughs> for Zero Hucks Given golf shirts. However, given that you haven't paid us to use it, maybe you should change the name of the company to Zero Bucks Given. He says, we understand that you're running other ads using music from other, our other clients. The only other person who uses our client's music without permission more than you, apparently, is Donald Trump. <laughs> but he did. He had some good. He says, we'd be okay with it if it, the shirts weren't so damn ugly. But there we go. Anyway, wow. so they came back on it, and they've, uh, they've gone back and forth in a fun way. Uh, I'm, I, I like when lawyers kind of have a little fun with each other. Not a, lot of people, a, lot, a lot of people know this, but a lot of people tell me I have the best music. Really? Really? Yes. <laughs> you got it. All right. 
<laughs> That's it. All right, my uh, my what this week is. Uh, Come on, what you is need it? some anger, what? Bob. You got the Jack Nicholson <laughs> intro. You need some anger. My what is? What are these? What are these people on? What are these contestants on Jeopardy all about? <laughs> okay, they can't figure things out. Listen, you know this music right here, right? Final Jeopardy music. Right. So this was playing the other night on Jeopardy, and the question was... I'll pretend I'm Alex okay, Trebek. Yes. You know I was on uh, Reach for the Top, and Alex Trebek was the host one time? I did not know that. There you go. Well, we got to talk about this more. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Listen, on the Forbes we need another hour. Can you... On the Forbes 2020 list of the 100 highest paid athletes at age 50, this active individual sportsman is the oldest. Say that again? Here's the, here's the answer. You've got to get okay. the question. On Forbes' 2020 list of the 100 highest paid athletes at age 50, this active individual sportsman is the oldest. Who would it be? Ooh. Scully? Uh, well, I know the. I, I saw the tweet, so I oh, do know the answer. Okay, so. Phil Mickelson? Phil Mickelson. But the answers guess. for I these did... people, you know what the answers they came up with? What? The That's first, right, you sneaky little I didn't look devil. at the list. I just guessed Phil. The first Phil. contestant said Jagger. As in Yaramir Yager. Yaramir Yager? He's wow. retired now. The second put the word Phil, but couldn't get Mickelson, didn't know it. And the third person put Mr. Magoo. <laughs> None of them got Phil Mickelson. All three of them struck out. But all three of them can build a rocket ship. <laughs> yes. So there you go. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. So. All right, Mark. The tea is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! I should point out before you go, yeah. is that Phil Mickelson actually responded in well, a tweet he, to that he question. He says, just when I think I've arrived, brackets, I was the answer to tonight's final Jeopardy question, I realize they still have a long way to go. Bracket, they all got it wrong. <laughs> That's good. The tea is yours, Mark. All right, Ben, I'm going to try to do my best to bring the anger on my what, because I'm not used to the family guy. I'm usually a little bit more, you know, Jack, but we're going to try here, okay? So my winner, guys. Just let me do- know if I'm going to have to go with the dump button. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my winner and my weird very quick. My winner, uh, Danny Lee. Uh, I, we used him this week on TV. He had the six putt uh, last week, the WD after the six putt. Very frustrating. He apologized. It did the right thing. Kind of took ownership. So good on Danny Lee. We made fun of him for the six putt and withdrawing. But he's my winner for apologizing and, and taking ownership of it. Okay. My weird this week. Going to ask you guys a question because uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. If you've looked at the list, then, then you'll know the answer. Have you looked, guys, at who's leading the race to Dubai? No. I purposely did not look. When okay, you saw so your give team. me a guess. Have you looked? I would Who's say, leading race of Dubai? Uh, Colin Morikawa. Good guess. All right, Adam, who's leading race to Dubai? I was also going to say Morikawa. I'll say Danny Willett. Patrick Reed. Oh. With two ties for 13th in majors and a win back in February uh, the at the WGC, which is, of course, sanctioned by both tours. Yes. yes. Patrick Reed. I mean, if you could have given me 10, 12 guesses, you wouldn't have got Patrick Reed <laughs> as leading the race to Dubai, thus my weird. Okay, my what? What I've been waiting for all week with <laughs> you guys. Here we go. All right. Wind it up, baby. All right. You said golf course architecture on acid. Well, my good friend, and I, you know, I should say this off the top, I've only met Mike Davis in passing once at a Golf Canada party in Augusta. 
that for two seconds. So I don't know Mike Davis personally at all. He might be a very nice man. Okay, for all accounts, he might be a wonderful person. So let's get that out there. However, <laughs> his tenure as executive director and then CEO of the USGA has caused me some anxiety, stress, and anger over the years. Windmills on golf courses, clowns nose, floating pars, T-decks that go up and down. We have rough, we don't have rough. When things go sideways, you can't find them. When things go well, there he is with the camera, smiling and waving at the crowd. Oh, uh, we've got, uh, we've lost our greens at Shinnecock. I mean, like, we can go on and on. Mike Davis announced this week he is stepping down uh, at the end of next year, uh, and he is leaving the USGA. Okay. It's what he's doing next, guys. His next venture of his career. He's going to join Tom Fazio II to be a golf course architect. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm leaving Golf Talk Canada. Adam's moving into this chair. You guys have a wonderful 2021 because in the middle of next season, I'm going to be an Olympic high jumper. 